on the line, we've got Aronora Nata. Good morning. Atamari. Atamari ite fanui o Whaingaroa. Ai, kia ora. And so this is our Kairongoa segment. And Aronora, uh, you are a... Um, well, you have expertise in indigenous plant medicine. Is that the phrase we kind of use to describe what you do? Yes, I, I do enjoy having that mātauranga, that knowledge mm. around the native plants, the plants that were originally here, not so much, although I do have a wide interest and in knowledge of the uh, those that were introduced, uh, but my preference is to honour the native plants that are still available, but oh. we'll see for how long. <laughs> you're saying, so have some of them disappeared already? Is that what the implication is there? Um, many have disappeared. The extensive agricultural practices all over the world have been part of that story, and I was really listening to David Attenborough talk about this in terms of a global phenomena mm. Agriculture has been largely responsible for the disappearance of many species that many of us won't even know in our lifetime or have an experience of. They're just not there. Yeah, I get. I mean, we're kind of aware of that happening with animals. I think um, they kind of get the headlines, but I guess it makes sense if the animals are disappearing, then some of the plants will be as well. Yes, our relationship to the plant world is is more than we probably would are acknowledging. They're actually essential to our well-being. The way that the the plant, the green green world of the plants, uh, works for us to enable us to live in a more um, have much more vitality. If they weren't here, we we would not survive. So our relationship is important that we we really get that, we really understand what that looks like. And that was really part of the knowledge bank or the mātauranga by my ancestors, my tūpuna. Yeah. They held an intimate knowledge of the genealogy, the whakapapa of the plant world and how that worked. And most people will know or have heard of the, the male element, which is Tane Mahuta, as being the, the guardian of the forest world. However, he actually had many wives, if you like, many wives. And each of those female uh, deities that gave um, birth to different lines, different whakapapa, um, because of their characteristics and personalities, and they are they were known by Maori, uh, so you know I have that. We still have some of that knowledge, mātauranga, available yeah. to us today. Yeah, and so you want to talk about indigenous botany today? That's the, yes, the big I do. topic. I do because I think most people will probably know um, things like from Alderson Best or uh, from Culpepper, which are all English, you know, Culpepper was from a, um, a herbalist, a very a highly regarded, and there are many others, but they actually came into Aotearoa post, uh, how do you say, with the early settler 
movement. Yeah. But prior to that, there was a whole body of knowledge that was practiced and known around who belonged to who in the plant world. It's like, you know, whose kid is that? <laughs> so so when these, these these botanists came, did they talk to indigenous people about what they knew or did they just go around cataloging things in the way that they always did it? Um, yes, that's a very good question. And that's how botany became, um, in terms of the, the way botany worked, in the uh, Northern Hemisphere, was they took that language and those botanical Latin names, which are peculiar to botany, they named them under those categories according to their characteristics and personalities. And because that's the world, that, that's the, the um, genealogy that they they were familiar with so you know they'd throw that one into that category and that's how botany names names a plant world mm. but there was a much more extensive knowledge known um, by Maori who they discussed with however I think it's really important to remember that their their language base was very uh, limited because they didn't they weren't uh, they were learning Maori mm. when they arrived. They didn't, and also Maori were learning English, and was known that they became very fluent. In in you know they became spoke in Maori and English and wrote in Maori and English eventually as well. So, so that, something something that's just occurred to me. I don't know. Sorry, sorry to leap in there, yes, but yes. Um, we, the Western science model is is one that's very big on categorising. Very big on categories and 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 that sort of thing. Is Matauranga Maori work that way, or does it work in a different way? It works in a different way. That it it's um, held within the names are also some key information around those. Uh, uh, I guess if you are fluent in in Maori, not I guess. If you are, then you, you really understand the depth that is behind the naming of the plants. So the original native plants of Aotearoa were actually all in Māori. It wasn't a beach, uh, you know. Um, oh, yeah, well, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like we, we yeah. think of a um, tea tree, but it was always manuka or kanuka originally. And so the English names were ad- adopted as, and they became the dominant names. So we, we began to, I guess, lose the uh, native knowledge through that. The, the, well, just the pronunciation of the, the beautiful Māori, kupu Māori, that, that these trends, you know, tōtara, kauri, um, uh, you, most botanists would refer to them under their botanical names and when you're learning, if you're learning in that field mm. and you, you would go, oh, well, oh, okay, and you'd learn that, which is fine, but it doesn't give you uh, enough uh, information about the indigenous knowledge. Well, they're all, um, the botanical names are all in an in, in essentially dead language, aren't they? they? They're based in Latin as far, well, I'm guessing. I, yes, I they admit. are. <laughs> yeah. well, they're really fun to try and pronounce too. 
<laughs> Do you know something interesting I discovered the other day? My daughter's doing a marine science course over in the Bay of Plenty, and um, I was looking. She was going through some shells, and there was a list of shell names and and their scientific names. And two of them, I don't know what I can't remember what they were, but two of them, their their scientific name had the word Māori at the start of it, and then some Latin. So it was a combined Māori Latin name, which is something I never thought I'd ever come across. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Maybe they couldn't. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't know why. And she didn't know why. She's just starting. So. <laughs> but uh, Western science, Indigenous science, is uh, uh, has its categories as well, and you know, those are those are also well worth uh, knowing. Um, there is a a chant that I teach to uh, establish that botanical knowledge okay. and how the plant world, uh, you know, grows from the kākano and the importance of what is held within the, the seed, the seed itself. And, you know, the um, from the original root system to the tap roots um, and, and how that works. There's a, a really beautiful chant that um, I, I, t- I often teach when I have the opportunity. Mm. Now, I think I interrupted a couple of times. Do you remember where you were with your <laughs> with what you were talking about? Well, I'd just like to say that, like, tāne, and we have this phrase, which is kāmoi. Kāmoi means tāne slept with. <laughs> okay, right. And and really, it's a beautiful phrase. It means had union. Mm. That's what it means, you know. But you could, you could look it up the word moi, and you go, oh, moi means sleep. But kamui, kamui atane, ia hine wauriki. So he mated, and in that mating, which is you know in itself an uh, an incredible process or, or, or event. And ka kia puta, and from that union came the kahikatea. So the the beautiful kahikatea came from that union, and matai and rimu and pukatea. So the very large uh, native trees came from that union, and of course that's very well articulated. If you see uh, some of David Attenborough's work and the, the extraordinary photography, it just makes it so much, it clarifies, like, wow, look, there it is. There's the tap, you know, there's the, um, the more, that, uh, the taproot, the weu, the little uh, rootlets that come from that and, and just tells that story so beautifully. Mm. So was he attempting to tell that story? Was he aware no? of that? Was he aware aware of the Māori knowledge? Was he trying oh, to tell no, that but story? I'm, I'm, is he he's still alive, right? Yes, he's kind of ninety well, or so, I think. Seem to have a cup of tea with him. <laughs> 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 I'd love to meet him in person. He's done an extraordinary uh, work in his life already, and I was thinking last night. I'd really love to break bread with that man and and just celebrate his life story and say, do you know about us <laughs> down here in the, the down under Aotearoa? 
I, I don't know if he's done any any work down here. Oh, he but, has um, he has been here. I remember seeing a little bit. He went out on a beach one night to see some kiwi, and he was just you could see he was just absolutely completely fascinated by this this very strange bird with almost no wings. He was you could see it like it was just <laughs> pouring out of him this utter fascination and delight at what he'd seen. So he has been here. Yeah. Oh. Okay, well, I'm go- I'd like to invite him back. Mm. We should we should do that. We'll get him on the show. <laughs> we, should, we should. He would be it would be wonderful to meet him in person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and learn of his. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I'll look for that um, that uh, that one that you spoke. You've just spoken about. I'll see if I can find that one. It might have <laughs> in been the archives. I think it was a series about birds. I think I think we had this um, Life on Earth series about birds that we used to show the kids when they were really little, um, but that's a it's an old memory. That's a ten year old memory. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yes, and you know the whole that whole area of indigenous science around the trees and that and where they live and their potential to uh, give medicine from their from who they are. Uh, that was also part of the story that indigenous science tells around, you know, the kahikatea grows in uh, predominantly a swamp area. And so that's considered to be a, uh, a medicine for the uh, the urinary tract. Okay. Yeah, it's like that. It's like reading the land the uh the tinana the body of Papatuanuku, and how these these uh rako these trees actually grow and where they grow will also they also are telling us how what they um how they can help us uh, medicinally mm. so what but, what which part of the kahikatea do you use medicinally well, one of the, I guess, medicine, you know, let food be your medicine, let medicine be your food. Mm. So the the collection of the, or the uh, the gathering of the hua, the berries of the kahikatea, was uh, quite a practice. They would, uh, during the time that they were fruiting, yep. so they were eaten reg- regularly by, uh, by Māori. And, and harvested as well, so you can use, and then you would use the branches, the the leaves of the kahikatea. So it's very bitter. <laughs> I was going to ask, yeah. So definitely medicine. <laughs> Anything that's good for you is, is usually bitter. <laughs> mm. Medicine. I can just see myself going. Mm. Okay, <sighs> thank you, you. Have you tried it? Yes, yes, yes. Yep. I've prepared it. Yes, yeah. absolutely. But it's um, it's very common too. It was very common in the Waikato. Mm, but many, yes. there were many swamp areas. You see the remnants of them when you're travelling, even on the main roads. You know, you can look into the farmlands and those great those stands that of the kahikatea uh, are left, and they they tell a story that there once was a great swamp there. That's yeah. what the story is. Yeah. And it's been obviously drained for uh, agricultural reasons. But yeah. yeah. I've, I've heard from, I remember a friend of mine who um, was a scientist in this area talking about how the whole Waikato Basin used to flood 
like you know a hundred years ago or so it was very different to now um yes well it was it, it there was a whole what they call a um a, a lineage that went right through where the sandstone rocks are towards Tauranga. Mm, um those areas those pu- areas were predominantly they were once rivers yeah Puriri, is it Puariri? i can't remember Oh, the the um, sandstone, the native sandstone. Yeah, yeah. I know the name just eludes uh, uh, me at the moment. <laughs> yeah, it's by the turn off on State Highway Twenty Nine to State oh, Highway Twenty Nine. Yeah. yeah, it's the first yes, the first bit yes. of the road before you get to the Kaimais. Yes, yes, and such a beautiful kohatu, absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. So, can I yes. come come back to the? I, th- I think a, a key point here is that is that the. Indigenous botany is defined by the, the genealogy and or defined by genealogy, and that's where you were talking about Tane and his many wives creating, I'm trying to summarise here, uh, different kind of categories of, of plant. Is that, am I kind of heading in the right direction there? Yes, so the, the whakapapa, uh, the genealogy was quite clearly um, aligned, and and you would know that those those Rako came from that lineage in that uh, from that one like um, Rerenoa, you know, uh, partnered with Tane and gave birth to the Rata and Tatara Moa, and. Um, Kariao, Kariao. So they had those children from that union, and it was it was just a part of what needed to be known if you were you were um, going to uh, harvest or just the ways. Then then you would have that that body of knowledge and and know something, know and have an in-depth knowledge of how the plant world behaves, those children, and you go, oh, yes, that's far no. So it was well documented orally, you know, remembering we didn't, we weren't writing as such. Well, that, yeah, that's, that's, so that's, that's something I was wondering about because, because it was an oral culture, the need for like a story to... Help retain knowledge. Is that is that part of what? That, is that <laughs> what that's about? Science. <laughs> this fabulous word <laughs> we call the neuro. You know, neuroscience. How the brain actually retains information. I mean, it's a huge field, of course. But yes, of course, the memory of our people was extraordinary, and the telling of stories was essential. Not only uh, for its what it could share as knowledge in Matauranga, but there was um, it was a, it's something to be enjoyed as well, mm. you know, by all all different levels. How do you say all different age groups? So when you were telling a story, you didn't have just. Well, and I say that because you know we tend to separate out the little people and the, and the adults quite a lot. In, in my lifetime, yeah. the storytelling was, was given to children and adults and, and the elders alike in the same sitting. Right. <laughs> you know, 
it wasn't just uh, like, oh, we're going to tell an adult story so, you know, won't, the kids will get bored. <laughs> it was told <laughs> in such a, a beautiful way that it was, everyone was um, received uh, from those pūrāko, pakiwaitara, and, and you grew up with that mātauranga. You grew up with storytelling as an essential part of your um, communication. It makes me feel the contrast of when you're starting out trying to learn a scientific subject now and you're confronted with all the scientific names which are almost at the level of meaningless babble until you... <laughs> Because it's another language, you don't know what it means, and you've just got to learn things by. There's so much learning by rote to start with. Oh, and, and I, you're so right. Hey, I, I mean, pharmacology was the subject I, I failed miserably. I was doing nursing, and I went, "What is that?" First, I looked at the words, and they said, "Well, you know, these are Latin words, and you must know them if you're going to become a nurse." And I went, yeah. "Oh my <laughs> gosh, what?" can hardly pronounce them. <laughs> there was no story to the name. Mm. <laughs> and they would have, they would have, I'm sure I would have passed them. I'd have got 50% if, I'd, if they'd said, oh, well, this story is associated with this Latin word. And I thought, oh, okay, right, got that. <laughs> but I sort of feel like that's the last thing they would have done is, is create a story, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> well, I guess it's how the brain has been... Tempted to learn, and those who can learn in that way, of course, they're going to, you know, they're going to win hands down. <laughs> it's almost like com- competition, but you, you know, not everyone learns in that manner. And and that, well, yes, well, when you <laughs> well, when you're studying at medical school, and that that that's not the code. <laughs> no. we can't have fun doing it. <laughs> No, you mentioned the word competition. Competition is a kind of an underlying value throughout throughout Western culture, and we're probably not very aware of it. So, we certainly, when I was at university, we were comparing ourselves with each other: who had which grades, and all sorts of that sort of thing, and who's going to get the prize at the end of the year for the top student. So, yeah, yeah, we do. We often refer to that: who has a scholarly mind, you know, and oh, well, you know, they're artists, and 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 we classify, which is fine. But it certainly gives you a hierarchy of of values mm. uh, in terms of um, e- equal equality, um, who's valued more than others. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and I must say, you know, you go, oh gosh, I can hear people just saying to me, oh, I'll never make it, you know, I'll never be that, and I go, oh, okay, what is that? Is that my brain, or is that because they're not teaching me in a way I can hold that knowledge. Probably more the second. It's not being taught in a way that you can actually grab it and hold it. Yeah, that that would be. I think I I think I'd agree with that. And and one thing I I remember now too. I remember doing science at high school, and they do resort to using stories a little bit there. Like if you've got to learn um, the table of elements, the scientific table of elements, which starts with hydrogen, hydrogen and helium. And I remember about the first five. But some people were making up a story. They take the first letter of each element and use that to make a story up, or 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 a song or something. Yes, I, I was. I think because of my both of my parents, I learnt 
a, a technique through, you know, through, I call it the neuroscience, the indigenous neuroscience. So, you know, hydrogen, helium, lithium, beryllium, boron, carbon, nitrogen, oxygen. There was a rhythm. Yes, yes. And I, I learned the rhythm more than the name. I wouldn't have a clue what they looked like. <laughs> well, they're very small. They're very small. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I learned a rhythm, and I think that rhythm was part of the was definitely part of that indigenous way of learning. You know, you give something a particular rhythm, a, a beat. Yeah, actually, I remember that worked for me too. About as far as you got there, but after a while, the it loses the <laughs> rhythm because it just gets all these complicated names. <laughs> It does, but I enjoyed it while it lasted, <laughs> and I've never forgotten. Yeah. Those actually go back into the another part of the Hinengaro, and I've kept those those learnings, and the rest of it I don't remember at all. But, you know, that whole area of neuroscience, of course, as you know, is a very um, relevant topic right now as we navigate on a global level, understanding our journey as a human family and our relationships to nature, to our mother, our earth mother, Papa mm. Tuanuku. Yeah. Yeah. So and is it is it a thing is it a thing to be concerned about that the people who are, are I don't want to insult anyone here, but the people who are best at retaining abstract knowledge? Um yeah. or, or the ability yeah. so to abstract knowledge is really only for a few. And I think if we really understood that we wouldn't be giving out information like we do. Because it really hurts the brain of many people. They go, ah, don't get that. And it's not that we don't get it. It's the way it's being shared with us. Yeah. Um, it makes you feel quite inferior. can make you feel quite inferior. Um, you know, you know, like the word neurofin as a drug, you know. that's People know, oh, yep, I know what that is. And I think, oh, do you really? <laughs> I'm thinking you should have a look at it. <laughs> you know the name. Yeah, yeah. And it's almost like that's all they want you to know and what it's for. But anything beyond that is really like, just leave it to us. We'll look after, you know. But yeah, I've, I've, I mean, I've been, I've been to university and I've got a degree and I know there is an element in each subject area, each degree that, that we have the specialist knowledge and it's kind of like I don't know, ego trips the wrong word, but there's there's something there along those lines. We have our special language that other people can't talk, and you shouldn't take them seriously if they can't talk the special language. <laughs> and that's it's so true, yeah. and that's where that competitiveness is is can be really felt in those institutions. Yeah, um, I felt it. I definitely felt it while I was there. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Yes, I spent um, a few years roaming the corridors of lecture theatres and becoming educated in, in Western knowledge. Yes, I, I, I have done that too. But yeah. I, you know, have put it into my back pocket along with other, along with my Matauranga Māori and Indigenous science, um, you know, and I cross-reference. I go, oh, yep, okay. I'm quite <laughs> that wasn't quite... <laughs> I'm quite intrigued now how because because I mean I talked to someone a year or two ago from Waikato University about Matauranga Māori and and how they're incorporating it into the university system. Except I don't really know how they're incorporating it into the university system because we've just talked about how different they are in terms of the way they approach the knowledge. 
Well, you know, first of all, you're actually giving it to young people who are at a, a certain age group. Um, while that age group is widening to include an older generation, you know, you do have to be. And so the way that the knowledge is actually given out or shared also is uh, not really of an indigenous nature. But, you know, having said that, I I think it is important that we um, listen a lot more to how that can be uh, integrated much more um, with with uh, and holding on to the the what is actually being shared because there comes a point where you, you you they do decide like oh no we won't we won't learn that piece of Matauranga and we're going but it's essential to the whole story. They go, oh, no, but we won't have time. And so you have many other factors which determine yeah. how much of it is learnt and how much of it is taught. So hence the, the challenges. But we can, we can find multiple solutions for that. The other, <laughs> the other thing it has to do is it has to be able to be marked and tested. And knowledge has to be... I think in order to, be, to test someone, they have to put their knowledge into a different form. To, to prove that they've learned it? Yes, there is uh, quite a strong emphasis right now on that in terms of uh, lining up what people say, uh, you know, like on, I think it was called the social media, um, what was it, what is it? Treadmill was the words that were used to me. And I went, oh, what's that? And it's like, how do you, how do you nullify or how do you, actually make that what people are sharing um, as as the truth, you know, and, and they use these markers to hold that and, and tick it off against that what they what's being shared as being uh, uh, correct or incorrect and oh my gosh, you can do your head in. So you, you you took that in a completely different direction to what I was expecting, but it, it it's certainly true that that's another area where people are trying to filter knowledge to make it fit a format. And and how's it working out? We don't necessarily we're not very happy with that at the moment, are we? No, you know, and there's a there's another uh, word which we uh, I'm finding people use is called intuitive wisdom. Yeah. As, yes. As Western science begins to discover that part of the human, I call it body elemental, which is the extraordinary body that we live in, and all the different parts that it um, speaks to us about. You know, not just the physical body uh, with all the different organs, but we have an emotional body. You know, and in Te Ao Māori, that that is absolutely how the indigenous science would see it as well but we we forget we do like because we can't monitor it what's called the intuitive wisdom yes we can't we can't scale it and go wow that was a good one that that's probably an eight (laughs) yeah and that's what i was saying before yeah you you can't translate it into something that can be marked no and when, when you start marking things you miss whole areas of experience lived experience so people, um, you know, maybe a day later will go, I should have done that. 
I just knew that I should have done that. But there was nothing to tell them, you know, in their men- mental mind, if you like, that said, you must do that because that's the correct thing to do. They just had this intuitive intuition, intuitive wisdom. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that has been a, 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 that hasn't, that's another whole whakapapa mm. that is really real and within the human family and other, other families, um, parts of our, our, um, Life, you know, the yeah. life of other, uh, the plant world, and as well. Hang on, Noah. Um, I'm really enjoying this discussion, but I actually have to, I have to go now. I have to leave early uh, this morning, unfortunately. Um, yes, yes. So we'll talking to you this morning, Aaron. Yeah, and we'll we'll do this again in a couple of weeks. So thank you for your time, folks. We've been talking to Ngaranoa Renata. We started off talking about indigenous botany, and, and as often happens, it expanded into somewhere. Some well, no, it's re- definitely related. So. <laughs> Thank, thank you for the discussion. You're welcome. Hi. And, and we will see you again in a couple of weeks. We'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks.